Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Hello and welcome to Backspin, brought to you by the good people at Inside Golf Magazine, the Australia's most read golfing publication. My name is Larry Canning. With me, as always, is Gary Barter. Hello, Gaz. Hi, mate. How are you? And Andy, our producer. We now mention Andy because he's made himself audible over the, some of the last episodes in a, in a unique way. But hello, Andy. <laughs> That's a wave for, for the listeners. It's radio, Andy. They don't actually see the, the wave. Big show coming up, Gaz. We're excited to be talking to Des Smith, Cam Smith's father. Yeah, I love Des. Yeah, apparently, yeah, he is the he's the most grounded individual outside of his son Cam. He is the man. So we'll get some uh, we'll get some gossip from Des. We'll also be talking to one Colin Field. Now, Colin's title, Gaz, is National Product and Fitting Manager and Tour Representative for Ping Golf. Wow. It's a lot of titles. That's very impressive. It's a big, it's a big business card. That's Field. A4. We're yeah, yeah, That's look, folding. I'm looking forward to talking to Philly. He was a very good player, Philly. Philly, yeah, he was a very fine player. Yeah, good bloke. And he's 50s now, so he might be playing some of the oldest, older bloke stuff. He's fit. Oh, no, he still swings are good. Yeah, okay. He, yeah, but it's like anything. He'd have to he'd have to give up that title there and start practicing and playing. And, yeah, I don't think he'd want to do that. Probably not, because he's, he's very busy in his role as National Product mm. and Fitting Manager and Tour Representative. Yeah, he, know, he, knows, he, he knows his stuff. He's going to be talking about the G430 model of ping clubs, driver, yep. hybrids, irons. Uh, we might get some advice on him on, on hybrids and, and seven woods and nine woods and whatever the whatever he can give us. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in how the modern sets are more configured too yeah. with, with the club player. We've got a tip, guys. Putting pressure on your short game practice. Yeah, or even on practice in general, but we'll, we'll talk a bit about short game because obviously Cam is so good at short game. Mm. So that might be something that'll be interesting. Little games, is it? Little games we play that, that, that when you're on your own practicing, you just... Yeah, well, I, I, I'll talk about it, but obviously we practice and we, we get lessons and we, we go down and work on our games, but there's definitely a, a link when you're practicing to connect putting some sort of pressure on your practice, getting some sort of feedback and result. So when you do go and get that one shot at that one time... Yep, you're prepared. Well, you've prepared the best you can. We have a spit, guys, and it basically is what is going on in our game. We yeah. need to know. Mm. How long since we had that merger announcement? Yeah, about a month ago. Yeah, well, what, you know... We're we're obviously two golf pros, so we're invested commercially in the game. But all the fans want to know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's been a while. It's been a while. They've they've obviously got a lot to get through mm. to configure some arrangement between all the tours. But there's been crickets out there. Yeah, what's it? Crickets, as in you know, it's test crickets. So you know, there is a test match on. Yeah, I mean, as in crickets, as in we're not hearing anything. Yeah, okay. so that's a terrible mm. analogy, guys. I'm that's sorry. Right. Um, I can play the sound if you like. Well, <laughs> Andy, Andy could add the sound. I don't want to edit that because um, I'd like that to go. I'd like listeners to know that Gary, that one of the smartest guys I've ever met, can be a little bit unsmart at times. Thank mm. you. Yep. Listeners will be back with Des Smith right after this. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. Well, enough about cricket. Let's get back to golf. Well, he's the father of possibly Australia's most famous golfer at the moment. Well, not possibly. I'm saying that for sure. Cam Smith. We've got Cam Smith's dad on the phone, Des. G'day, Des. How are you, guys? Congratulations on being the father of an, a yet another winning tournament. Just uh, last night, Cam Smith won the, the live event in London. You were watching it, Des. Your thoughts on the day? How did you go? It was a bit nerve-wracking at times, wasn't it? Not really. I don't really get that nervous watching him. Oh, really? Anymore. Well, it got tight. Yeah, it got pretty tight. And when you when you got a guy like Patrick Reed breathing down your neck, I mean, he's a 
a lot of things, but he's a ruthless <laughs> yeah, competitor, it isn't he? Bit, it got a little bit close there. I think when Cam made that birdie on 17, I mm. thought, oh, well, that's all over now. And the team nearly got over the line? Yeah, they did. It was a funny situation. Cam had himself in on that 18th. He only had two putts to win the one putt to get into a playoff for the team. So was, you don't see that situation very often. You haven't spoken to him since? No, nah, I sent him a text message and sent one back. Did he mention the team aspect? Did he mention? No, I know he'd be disappointed yeah, about it, yeah. so that's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. He was pretty good when he got interviewed. He he did mention that, yeah, he was disappointed, but he also obviously won won the golf tournament. But as you said, that last hole, and he, him and Leash carried the Aussies. We needed Matt and Jed to throw in a decent last round. But, but he did mention that they were getting close. He talked about even Valderrama, they were up there after 36 holes, so they're trending in, in the right direction. Yeah. But I was, I was just listening to you, Desi. So you weren't getting nervous. So is that where Cam gets his temperament from? Is he pretty, um, pretty I'm cool? I'm not too sure. Probably give his, his, his mother's pretty laid back too, so yeah, you probably give her the credit for that one. Yeah, he's an extraordinary character. He has an extraordinary demeanour, doesn't he? With uh, you know, I don't think I've seen anything like it. He's, he's ruthlessly um, competitive, yet so laid back. When he needs to play a great shot, he will play it. You know, to the level of almost like a Tiger Woods, you know, the, the bigger the situation, the better he plays, which is a unique quality. Has he always had that? He pulls that off pretty good too. Hey, the people who are close to him can tell when he's fuming. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. But, um, yeah, he pulls that off pretty good. But, no, he's always been pretty laid back and, you know, smart about forgetting things pretty quickly because golf will just eat you up if you don't. You're a pretty good player in your Des, too. Was there a time when you were playing against Cam at your home club? Um, we didn't actually play. Uh, I suppose if you call playing against each other in Saturday comps, yeah, we've done that. Yeah, now I was thinking maybe a club championship or something, a foursomes. Uh, or a... We won the uh, men's foursomes together when he was 10. That was, oh. pretty, that was pretty cool. You're kidding. So tell us how many holes did you bought. What, tell us about that day. I think that was over, that's over two days, Saturday and a Sunday, 36 holes. <laughs> Don't and give then, too much away, Des. And then the, and then the next year, um, we were partners, and my sister had her 40th birthday the night on the Saturday night. We are leading after the Saturday, Uh-oh. and I had a few too many beers Uh-oh. at my sister's uh, birthday party, and I played rubbish the next day, and he told me he's never playing with me again in Forsham, <laughs> so he went and found a new partner. <laughs> Fair enough. So as a 10-year-old, he was obviously right into the game. I mean, was he, was he the sort of kid that practised every day? Yeah, we played most afternoons. We didn't go to the range too often. We used to play golf. More of a learn how to play on the course rather than learning technique. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we used to hit balls around the backyard as well. So he probably can't remember not ever playing golf. Yeah, okay. Because he started playing so, so young. Did he play any other sports, if he did? He played uh, rugby league for a few, few okay. years. Because he's he's embraced the team aspect that we we're just talking about there, live live golf. And I know I actually played with him in a pro am. I was a senior pro am. He was a, a young up and coming junior. He was actually waiting that day to get a phone call from Golf Australia to see if he'd made the Eisenhower Cup team. So he probably wasn't as focused on my game as I was, as I was on his. But it was he was very laid back, a great great kid. And then he just he was just hanging around the clubhouse with his phone in his hand, just sort of having a soft drink and just you know looking at the phone to see if he had any texts or any messages. He got the got the message that day that he was selected so um, I'm not sure why I'm even telling you that Des it's probably because it's, it was a it was a it was a moment for me that I can look back and say well I've played with the British Open champion yeah just to push that point further with the British Open Des when he was 10 11 12 were we thinking he could be a, a, an open champion or a major champion what's it like being a father of a major champion uh, that's a tough question I suppose all the kids dream about that 
um, who play golf dream about being an Open champion, but having it actually come true is pretty rare. Desi, Larry and I were speaking before we came on air about you know, even my role as a golf coach, it's quite common for a father and mother to bring down their son or daughter at a young age, 10, 12, 13, 14. Then there's that the way to navigate their way through from you get a Tiger parent who, in their mind, wants their young daughter or son to be a, a major winner, like from day one, and they've got that attitude. Most common, it's they've got, they've got a son or daughter that is just becoming better and better and better and they get in a state team, they might get in a, a national squad. And as a parent, it's a pretty important role to that balance between expectation, reality, and to get to that pointy end where where you and Cam have got to, as you said, it's it's very, 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 very rare, very definitely, definitely not common. With your role moving Cam through that and, and battling all those different expectations getting picked in state squads, looking at coaching moving forward. Whatever you've done and whatever advice you've given, it's it's manifested into what, what's what's happened. Is there something that you felt was important for you in that in that period, especially between fourteen and nineteen? Is there anything there that you felt was important for you to either clip cam over the year or put some perspective on or just let him go? Just let him go. Where did you feel I, there was a balance there for you? I probably learned by seeing some other parents do do it the wrong way by, you know, putting too much pressure on their kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, putting pressure on kids at a young age when they're still developing and learning, it more or less sometimes, well, and the worst extent, it, it'll drive the kid away from the game because they just don't want to deal with that parent pressure. Or well, then they start thinking that they're, you know, they're not good enough and all that sort of stuff. So Cam's never had any real expectations put on him that you have to do this and you have to do that and you've got to win the Aussie M and or you're, you're a nobody sort of thing. So we just played it pretty laid back and you know just let him go out and play golf and you know, let things look after themselves. Obviously, he's got a lot of talent, but you know, I think if you throw pressure in there at a young age, it, it makes it difficult for them. Was he competitive at everything? Oh, yeah. He, he hates losing anything. He mm. hates losing a card game. Is it a chip off the old block? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, he'd watch a State of Origin game, and we'd be losing it, and there'd be like 10 minutes to go, and there was no hope of winning, and he'd get up and fly into his bedroom and slam the door. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Queensland guys? They're definitely tough. God, they're wow. patriotic, are they? So, Desi, this extraordinary short game, is that just you and Cam chipping in the backyard? Was it just an innate thing that he always had? Because his short game is just extraordinary and his ability to chip the ball, putt the ball is just next level. Like Tiger Woods, like any way that's navigated their way through to the best pl- Jordan Spieth. Is that something that he just always had? Is it something that he practiced a lot? Was it watching uh, somebody? Just something that he's always had. And I think they're coming back to like playing mm. on the golf course and not practicing as much. She getting all those different shots out on the golf course. And the golf course that Cam grew up playing, even though it's in a lot better condition now, but when he started playing 20-something years ago now, you know, that the lies that you get around our golf course are absolutely rubbish. Yeah, it's interesting because as a coaching point of view, you know, we look at all these players chip the ball, whether it was Ballesteros, Rummy, whether it's Tiger Woods, Cam. You're looking at what they're doing. But not, what's what's undervalued with short game, I believe, is the is the courage and the competitiveness that the player has. So it's it's not just someone's technique. It's their, it's how stoic they are 
at a certain time to get the ball up and down, to stay in the tournament, to keep leading the tournament, to hold a six-foot putt, a breaking putt, right at the pointy end of a tournament, like that putt Cam hold on the 17. It, in my in, opinion... In the that, open. No, last, not last, not, last not night. Not. Like, in my opinion, it goes beyond someone's evaluation of their stroke. It's, it's the will they have to make that happen at that time. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Gary. It's, I think it's just the competitive event. You know, they're seeing with Tiger how competitive he was when he was going through, you know, 2000 and that. You know, you'd think he'd make everything from inside top foot in. Yeah, it's a lofty comparison with Tiger, but it's a fair issue to make, isn't it? A fair point to make. When you see Cam just play these shots, at least like you're saying, these deft chip shots to within inches, not, not within five feet, within inches, exactly when he needs to. Lands it perfectly, spin is right, it rolls the correct way. But, when, but when the, it's when the pressure... It's when it's the when, pressure's when, on. Yeah, see, yeah. see, people can do that in a practice round. They can do it in, when they're practising. But he, like Tiger, like all the great players, as I said, can do it at that, at that time where it's very, very important. And, and I think with Cam... The thing that I've been impressed with Cam was that joining the Live Tour, it hasn't been a negative for his game. They talk about the lack of competitiveness. They talk about, are these guys going to continue on? But Cam showed us, even playing the majors, and at the moment, his game, I, I think, is getting better. When you look at Tiger Woods, though, Gary, and, and Des, again, there's that, uh, you know, he, we know what his father was like. He's, he's, he's um, I'm not sure how much of the role his mother played in the playing side of his career, but his father was brutal. And yet we're talking to Des, who clearly takes the opposite stance. Just let the kid, you know, enjoy the game. Be there when you. When yeah, the thing, the thing, uh, thing, thing with Desi, I, I've I've got to know Des quite well in the last twelve months, and we we have a great relationship. And I think that where I where I sort of feel with Des is he he's a very, you know, very competitive, very thought provoking, and you know he he sort of. There's, there's not that there's no filter, but the good thing with Des is that I can see Cam. There's definitely a lot of a lot of Des in Cam. Des that live golf, the future. It's all a bit up in the air. We don't really know what's going on. We we we're reading all sorts of stuff, and it's fairly complicated. Cam is still happy that he made the decision to join Live, is he? Or? He's very happy. He made that decision. You know, we spoke about it before. He made that decision, and. You know, he was asking me what he should do, and I said, right. mate, it's not what I want you to do, it's what you want to do, what's going to make you happy. And, you know, and he was like most of those other, most of the guys on that tour, um, DJ, and you hear, hear them all say the same thing, that they were just playing too much golf, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the way that FedEx Cup thing was structured with points-wise and stuff that you end up having to play. You know, sometimes if you're down the bottom, you've got to play 28, 26, mm, 28 mm. events, and, you know, Cam's playing four in events now and four majors, which mm. is, is perfect for him. He was just lucky to win the Open, so he gets four majors for five years. Yeah, yeah. That could change soon, eh? Yeah, no one knows what it's going to be like in five years' time. It's interesting you say um, he spoke to you before making that decision, and you said it's about him. So I would imagine there would have been players almost seduced by their team or management to make that choice because they're all going to benefit from it but it doesn't sound like that's the case with Cam No, no he um, spoke to a few people and you know he made that decision by himself I said whatever decision you make Cam um, you'll get the full support of your family first. And hopefully now moving forward no one knows how this this new arrangement is going to be configured and, and apparently they're in the process now of 
working out the complexity of it all. But hopefully we'll get start getting some world ranking points. As you said, it doesn't really hurt cams so much at the moment, but it still would be great if in the future, you know, we, we, we've got that connection with World Golf. They can go and play some PJ Tour events if they, if they wish. And hopefully the model at the moment, this current model of the live events will continue. How the teams will be constructed, we don't know. But as, as long as we can see the best players playing all around the world against, yeah. against each other, that, that will be a positive. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the only sad thing about the whole live PGA Tour thing is, um, you know, the fans, fans, and like I'm a golf fan, I, I love watching golf, but the fans aren't getting, you know, what they should be getting in terms of the best players playing against each mm, other mm. more than just four times a year, you know, so the fans are getting ripped off, but that's, that's the thing I'd like to see sorted out, you know, for the top like 50, 75 players in the world playing against each other, mm. you know, 14, 14 times a year would be great. It'd be good for the fans. And surely the PJ Tour have had, have had trouble selling their product without these players. I mean, they're not admitting it. There was a weakness there, wasn't there? There was a, a bit of a vulnerability about the, that arrangement when it first came up that we'd merged, they'd merged. Yeah, and you can't, like, I've stopped reading the stuff on yeah. social media and papers and that because I don't think anyone really actually knows. They're just putting pen to paper for the sake of it. But um, they've definitely struggled a little bit, the PGA Tour, judging off them wanting to talk to Liz and also with their TV ratings and mm-hmm. stuff like that in decline. It's obviously not helping them at all. And you can see it in the majors, Des, can't you? They're just they are a, a they're so far above now the normal PGA Tour event because of this. Yeah, that's right. I was watching a bit of the PGA Tour event this morning when I got back up, and it, yeah, the, I know the players that are playing there are all very, very good players, but it's just mm. not to me. It's just not the same when you don't have you know the Rorys and mm. Jordan Spieth and Cameron and DJ yep. and Brooks and all those guys. You know, all playing against each other. It's exciting, much in the line, you know, the last nine holes when those guys are all battling it out. Yeah. yeah oh, sure. yeah. It's definitely the the John Deere. It it definitely felt like a second tier event watching it. It as you said, it's it's like you know they're still good players and it's still a PJ Tour event, but it doesn't have the same feel unless those those guys are going against each other. It's, so it's pretty important that they all get together. Well, the classic US Open, wasn't it? I mean, th- that's a perfect example of of a guy whose life is about to change forever, Wyndham Clark, Rory McIlroy, in the in the heat of battle, Ram, you know, Xander, all... Xander. All, Xander, all, yeah. yeah, just all all there. Xander, Xander has not and they all have Cam, a story. Cam, Cam played great. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just, yeah. He, just yeah. he couldn't make a putt. I think even, the you know, right down to the guys who come... Maybe eight in that tournament. They all had a chance yep. with you know ten to twelve holes to play. They all had a story too, Des, don't they? They all have a different, yeah, you know, take on what 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 the win would do for them. Yeah, and you know you didn't want to get up and leave the TV. Whereas yep. when the John Deere, when the John Deere's on, you sort of it's not the same. You don't have the same connection to it. Moving forward, yeah, obviously Adelaide was amazing for us, for all the Aussie fans to see the boys. Hopefully next year we'll get a couple of events. Getting back to our Aussie Open, and last year I thought it was a bit of a debacle myself. I think this year they're trying to sort of sort it out. They, I haven't, I'm, I'm not over exactly what's happened, but I know that I know the cut will be different this year. There'll be, there'll be more, more like a normal format for an Aussie Open, which will be good at the Aussie and the Lakes. Is is does Cam 
all those guys, are they thinking about coming back or to play the Aussie Open, a national event? PGA. Cam's defending uh, well, the PGA. Yeah, he'll play the PGA. Uh, yeah, Cam will be defending the PGA, yeah. I, I'm not too sure. I, I know, probably can't say too much about it, but I was down there for the Open last year in Melbourne and, you know, I thought it was a little bit of a debacle as well. But having said that, you know, me, my personal opinion, and this is not what I've heard from any of the boys or anything, but my personal opinion is that the men, our men's national open sort of needs to be just like a standalone event. I think they sort of like devalued it a, a, a little bit by playing with the ladies and that, whether it's for cost or something like that, I'm not too sure. But, you know, I think the guys need to have a standalone event. I don't think it helped the ladies open either. I think I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it should be standalone, and I think women should be standalone as well because it. Yeah, I think it. I think it was ladies and the men both deserve to have their own open. I've covered a few Australian women's opens when they were in Adelaide um, yeah. for all those years, and they were fantastic events. They were brilliant, and they were part of the LPGA tour. They had all the best players, all the best Australians, and then they went from there to Asia, the Asian leg of the LPGA. So yeah. it was I, it, I, that. I that didn't it have compr- anything like that, did it? Yeah, no, and it compromises the course setup too much yep, as yep. well. You know, there's some shots that the guys can play with the amount of spin they put on mm. the ball that the, that the girls probably can't do. It's not taking anything away from the girls, but if they set the course up in a way that's going to suit the men, the girls will, girls will struggle. And yeah. if they do it the other way, then the guys will sort of struggle mm, a bit with mm. different shots. Yeah, they'll just go crazy low. Yeah, it's interesting. That was the thing I've noticed the most, and when I've been watching the, the Vic Open, is the spin. It is, uh, it is noticeably different. When you get a baked, hard golf course like Victoria, well, nearly was. I mean, I've seen it more hard and baked than, than that, but it then becomes a game of where do I, how far short of the green do I land it? Can I land it short of the green? Can I land it on the tee if you can't get the spin? Yeah, I think, look, we had, we had Russell Swanson on our podcast. Yeah, yep. And he he was very good, and he was trying to explain the just the the detail they go into to look at the landing spot mm. with less spin for the girls, mm. and the landing spot for the boys with more spin, and looking at a drive going to 150 meters out, and what where a pin should be. And but the, look, the reality is it, it it can't really it can't really work. It can't really work in in looking at someone's trajectory, their spin, where to put a pin to try and help both parties because both parties will be compromised. There is a bottom line though, isn't there, and it's money, right? Government yeah. sponsored the Australian Open and they, the, the appeal for the government was to make it men's, women's and all abilities. All oh, no, no, it, it's that, that no, it sounds... That's kind of the trade-off, it's, if you like it. It's, it's great to see it. It sounds like a good product. It, it sounds like... But when it's actually playing out... I think the disappointing thing for me last year was I'm there on the Sunday and there's a family come out and I'm, I'm wandering around watching Matt Jones and they said, oh, what, what hole's Cam Smith on? And I said, oh, no, he, he missed the cut yesterday, mm, the third mm, round cut. Mm. They, 30 they, players made the Yeah, cut. They've, they've gone and bought their tickets. They've gone out to the yep, golf. Yep. Now, we know that Cam could have played that event. It'd be highly unlikely for him to miss the 36-hole cut, but they've, they've come out there, the fans, and he's played the third round mm, mm. and I think we saw we saw I think it was Canizares who mm. made the cut on the number for this third round cut which is just crazy in an Australian Open 
with only, I think, 30 players going out yep, the last yep. day. And he shot, yeah, he finished fourth, didn't he? Yeah, like it's just, <laughs> and that, he, he only got to play because David Branson bogeyed a par five late that afternoon. Right, right. So I just think that stuff. And you, you know, Cam would have shot something low Sunday. You well, know, he would have. Well, he, but just even to be there for people to watch him play golf, like it's, it's, mm, it's mm. funny how the, and just the television was difficult as well, as in crossing to. One of the guys putting yeah, out, and then yeah. one of the girls, and then you'd see Scotty would hit a, a tee shot to eight feet, and then three minutes later it'd come back on, and Scotty's on the next tee. Mm, you didn't even mm. know whether he made the putt or not. Then a score would come up. It just it, to, to connect it all, it must have been yeah. It was a trial, it was an experiment, yeah. um, and I think they're going to continue with it because they still need to have it sponsored by the government. So. But as I said, I'm not over it. But I know they're changing the. I think there will be a normal cut. Yes, yes, this they're time definitely for the changing. Yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to work out. There's, I think, one round at the Lakes and three at the Aussie. In yeah, the, that's correct. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. But look, ho- ho- no, two, two at the Lakes. Is it two at the Lakes? Two, the yeah. Okay. Well, there you Rounds go. one and two. Okay. And then three and four will be the Aussie. Okay. So the Aussie will have all four days. Okay. And the Lakes will have two. Okay. I think I've got that right, Des. It sounded good. We've got Des on the phone. Yeah. Des Smith is still there. I'm actually, I'm, actually, I'm actually not too sure what, yeah. what sort of... Um, no, that's, that is. They've got, to play, they've got to play two golf courses simultaneously on the first two rounds to yeah. get the players through. And when's your next trip away, Des? When do you go and... Watch Cam. See the boys. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to um, get over for his birthday, which is in um, the middle of August. Um, I'm actually staying in his apartment at the moment because I, I sold our family home that the kids all grew up in because it was just too big for me. And so I'm in between houses at the moment, so I'm, I don't mind spending time in his apartment because it's pretty luxurious. I I, you, know, I, you, be, you know what I would do? If I, I'd be a squatter. <laughs> I, I'd, yeah, if I was you, I'd, I'd be a squatter, and when he wants to come back, just, just say you're not getting out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and just and just let him get yeah, something else. Make a protest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So that must have been yeah, a bit I emotional guess, selling, selling the old house, Des. Um, yeah, it was. We um, both my children grew up and lived in the house until they left home. So we had it for thirty something years. But um, it was a bit of a handful for me by myself and wanting yeah. to travel a lot. Yeah. It, um, yeah. So the house that Cam uh, Smith grew up in. That'd be interesting to see you know, who's going to buy that and if they're going to. Yeah. Keep his room intact and yep. do, do yeah, a little no, walkthroughs. I met the, met the people who just fi- fi- got... fix the bedroom door. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. 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 Put that handle back on. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Des, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, mate. You are the most down-to-earth father of the most down-to-earth player that I've ever met. So congratulations, mate. You've done a fantastic job with your sons. Thank um, you very much. And, um, and there's a lot to learn from, from Des Smith, I reckon. A lot of parents yeah. should take, listen a, no, to Des Smith. He's a great man. I'd, yeah. I'd, like a, I'd like a dollar for every time someone said that to me. I'd be, I'd be owning this luxurious <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Des. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Des. Thanks, guys. Thanks See so much. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. <laughs>
Well, Gary, we're talking about the new Ping release, G430, drivers, irons, hybrids, and who better to explain to us about that than the National Product and Fitting Manager and Tour Representative for Ping. My God, that's a lot of words. His name is Colin Field. We call him Fieldy. Hello, mate. How you going, guys? Cole, tell us about why the G430 was created, what's behind it, what did you need to change, or what improvements were you looking to make when this model was uh, created? Yeah, I think when you look at Ping, it's always an evolutionary process. So if you go back and when we do product launches, a lot of the times it's the same engineering principles push forward. And occasionally we get this quantum leap. You know, you get this incremental gains and then the G430, luckily for us, it's been one of those quantum leaps where we've seen substantial gains right across the board. So. And aimed at what level of player? Well, the woods sort of fit into every product category. So there's three different models with drivers. So you've got a, a Max, which is a really forgiving driver. You've got an SFT, which is really geared towards a slicer or a fader of the golf ball. And the LST, which is a low spin option, which is really designed about giving the ball flight down and geared towards generally the better player with faster club head speed. Some of the tour players using this model, would they be with, with what you've just said there with the LS maybe? Yeah, well, we get LS and Max really depending on the player. We're doing really well with the drivers. So at the moment on the uh, PGA Tour, we're sort of one in, or two most weeks. So we're getting 36, 37 drivers in place, which is really great. And the last few weeks, we've been winning the fairway would count as well. So it's going really, really well out there from an, a lot of from the tour side as well. Gary and I always say there's no point getting a new driver unless someone's telling you what sort of specs you should have. So fitting is critical, right? So, so Phil, you, you're obviously using the Max with your game. Yeah, yeah, I'll get nothing. So, but the Max, <laughs> the Max, yeah, anti slice. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for GB to sort out my back. No, and actually, we'll actually, Fieldy's a very good player. I know he no, is. He's a very, very good player. He's, he's very he's, good player. He's annoyingly good. So, mate, I'm, I'm not going to move off the iron because you've got to explain to us why it's so good. But what fascinates me, the old Ping I2 sand iron, like you see guys like Mickelson still mucking around with it. Peter Fowler comes out of the Aussie. What was great about that club to chip the ball with? Like, did you did you use that club ever? Yeah, I did. And I think you do. I think with people, if they still test it, say, especially out of sand, they'll see some phenomenal results. But Carson Solon, the founder of Ping, did all that by eye. And he, there's a couple of key things. Is the hole is very, very thin. So when you're hitting out of sand, it floats, you know, yeah. oh, okay. through the sand really effectively. And there's a very unique bounce on that golf club that enables you to open the club face out. And it sort of delays the reaction of the bounce and keeps the club face really open through sand. And that's why you see, you know, all those guys, like I still play with Roger Davis on a regular basis and, he still uses that style and is a great bunker player, but um, the guys that grew up with that uh, style of golf club still get phenomenal results with that same type of design today. So we make sure we get an option in the um, range that sort of caters towards that player. I've played with Roger a fair few times recently too, and, and he is one of the best bunker players, isn't he? He's an underrated bunker player. He's one of the greats. Oh, he's a great yeah. bunker player. But and a 20-foot putter, he's a great at 20 feet. Holds a bunch. Yeah. It's interesting when Ping... I use Ping for probably... 20 years and going back from the sort of the mid 80s right through and they were they were a pretty ugly looking golf club but they went so well and oh yeah we all had them guys we yeah. all had a set of the i2s didn't we well every went, single one yeah i think we went through that box groove stage didn't we mm. fieldy and then at the i think kalkovecki won the open and watson commented that he was hitting some shots out of the rough that you just couldn't stop the ball with a normal groove and then then there was that battle of reconfiguring the grooves to make them legal. Yeah, which but was the, challenging for Carsten Solheim at the time. So, you know, but uh, I think, as you say, it was it was a high-performing golf club that didn't look as good, but over the years, it's certainly got better mm, looking, more mm. conventional looking, but still maintain 
the integrity of the engineering uh, true to what Carsten established years ago. Yeah, the current clubs are quite attractive to look down on. Obviously, the, tough for any manufacturers. They've got to keep reinventing the wheel. Took to, a long time to, to get feral, didn't it? They had to get a feral. <laughs> yeah, we got a feral <laughs> The ferrule for the listeners is a little bit of plastic on top of where the shaft meets the head. 99% of golf clubs have them, but Ping never did. They never saw the need for it, never saw the use for it. Obviously, I'm a Titleist guy, and but I'm just a, just a normal independent golf instructor. So when, when someone wants to get fitted Nothing for, normal about you, mate. <laughs> Sorry. But when, when, when I do fitting, the, the Ping the last couple of years, the driver has been pretty phenomenal, hasn't it? Yeah, there's a couple of key things. It's a very, very forgiving driver. So we're, you know, the ball speed on par with, like all the premium drivers are great on ball speed. The fitting component, what really makes a difference, and we also provide a very stable driver. So in a fitting environment, you combine the adjustability in the hosel and the adjustable weights in the back and a fitting process. It's pretty easy to dial in, get optimal numbers these days and neutralise direction. Sort of the acoustics of the new driver is good, though, just the sound of it. And that's something they've done. So we've got some new technology where we can whack the uh, design of the club into a computer and we can actually go through a process where they can actually work out the frequency of the driver and they do things on the inside uh, that change the frequency of the driver to to create palatable or, or desirable sort of frequencies, which is ridiculous when you think about it, but that's what the engineers are doing. Just, just, I'm smiling. No, but it is important. No, no, I'm telling yeah. you, it's that... that like, will, will, that we, will we sing C-Ping drivers in an orchestra? No, day, but that, that, no, the feedback when you hit a driver, some people like that deader sound, some people like that clickier mm. sound... It's interesting, irrespective of how the ball goes. They, it is. It's, 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 it's connected it, it, to your... Sh- it's classic golf, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's just, is it there yeah. a weirder game? I mean, you worry about you how your ball sounds instead of where it goes. No. <laughs> Sorry, you can't care to, to all. So if you take a whole group of people, everyone will have like different yeah. sounds or what, you know, the engineers talk about frequency. But they just cater to the middle of that bell curve. And then the thing is now during the design process, they can do things on the inside of the driver. They call it the acoustic signature. And from there, you can actually change the frequency of the drivers to create, you know, desirable sound to target, you know, the majority of players. So wow. it's Who'd part of the thought? design process now. Who'd have thought 20 years ago, guys? Or even 25 years ago. How old are you, Fieldy? Sorry, I shouldn't be asking. Oh, I'm no, 53, mate. Okay, we'd have been talking to Field, and he's talking about, um, what was what was the term you were using? Acoustic Frequency and acoustics. Who would have thought? <laughs> Tell us about the G430 irons, Fieldy. So the irons are interesting. They've thinned out the uh, perimeter of the face, so there's more deflection. So again, they brought the centre of gravity down, which makes the ball go up. Yep. And everyone talks about stronger loss and everything stronger, but these are a little bit stronger, but the ball goes higher than the weaker loss we've had in previous generations. So there's a lot that goes into the design of the golf club. It's not purely loss, and that's not purely the major contributor. If we can generate a higher ball flight with less loss, we get more ball speed and create more distance. And Philly, with you fitting golf clubs nowadays, are you seeing, are you seeing the traditional, when you and I were playing, Larry was playing, you'd get a, a two-iron, a three-iron, a four-iron. Are, are you seeing in a set of irons now... Even the four irons becoming not as popular. Like I know the three irons going. Is that is that what you're seeing when someone gets a set of irons? Or absolutely, it's just the big thing I think in the last couple of years. The seven woods. Um, oh, okay. A lot of driver three wood seven wood combos because quite often the three wood and five wood are fairly close together. And then you know putting in another hybrid and then reducing an iron that seems to be the you know the big thing. But seven woods when fitted properly, a lot of the Tourry style style you know seven wood fits. Uh, a little bit shorter, we open the club face a little bit and you create something that you can hit really high and just bring down and land softly on a green. So the tour uptake from that style of golf club is really, really mm-hmm. high. Is the three wood, for our, just our normal club player, is the three wood becoming less popular? It's important. 
important to test it. It's about 60% of people will, will actually hit a five wood or a four wood on average longer. So there periodically oh, they'll hit a three wood further. Yeah. But on average, if you look at the quality of strike and take the average distance over 20 or 30 shots, it's more people out there would be probably better served to carry a four wood or a five, a five wood over yeah. a three wood. Yeah. When you say four, it's just a, it's a three wood adjusted or is it a four? It could be either way. It could be a five wood strengthened yeah, or a three okay. wood uh, in, uh, weakened. Either way, yeah, so it's yeah. slightly more lost than a traditional three wood. Fairly, I'm not sure. There's too much more we can ask you. But whatever we ask you, yeah, I know you can answer. But we've got to sound intelligent. You're making us sound a little unintelligent. Oh, there's just big words there, Larry. You can look them up later. <laughs> Remember our ages compared to yours, mate. Fairly, it's been a pleasure, Colin Field. Again, the National Product and Fitting Manager Tour Representative for Ping. Thank you for your time and your um and your knowledge. Thank you, mate. Your insight. Thanks, guys. Good thanks, to speak to you. thanks, Philly. Cheers, Bye. mate. See you guys. Bye. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. Well, the spit goes. This is pretty random in terms of we don't have a, a dedicated target for the spit. A person, a uh, something that happened on a golf course where beer cans were thrown all over a green or something. This is just a general sweeping view from Gary Barter on what is happening in our game and can we get some kind of clarity? Can we get some speculative opinions from Gary Barter on what might the PGA Tour and the PIF fund live golf DP World Tour might look like this time next year? I think the thing is we the announcement probably happened three or four weeks ago. There's nothing clear has come out. It's understandable. There's, there's a lot to navigate in the connection of the public investment fund and is that what it's called? Yeah, PIF, Public Investment Fund, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. Obviously, the Public Investment Fund connecting all the tours. You know, f- from what we read, the PGA Tour is going to stay the same as a non-profit organisation. There's the DP but World But there's a Tour. separate entity yeah, that well, will this, be yeah, and this, profit-making, won't it? Yes, and this will be probably a, a business within itself, but it, it'll be connecting golf worldwide and obviously helping the PGA Tour, helping the DP World Tour. We're not sure about... Will Live survive? The model, I think, will survive, whether it's going to be called Live anymore. Mm. It might be called World Series of Golf. Yep, yep. Whether that will be like a an IPL in the cricket, where there's a boutique eight-week series that have franchises, mm. maybe, this is what I'm thinking. You know, whether companies will buy a team. Yep. Seems to be a push on that now. Yeah, and I think now this connection of World Golf, you'll probably find players... Like a David Warner will get auctioned off to a certain team and he'll be paid a certain amount of money to go and play in that IPL. I'm sure there'll be players up for auction, whether that be mm. Adam Scott, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. I still believe there will be this current team format. It was pretty exciting last night in mm. London. Yeah, with Australia, but, with a shot, and loss. I, and I definitely noticed that Dustin Johnson made a six-foot putt on the first hole which was his 18th hole of the event. And you could see when he made that putt how happy he was. Mm, he knew. Because he, he, knew, he knew that at that point... <laughs> and he knows, everyone No, knows. But, but, but you could He's see... He's not the sharpest no, you, tool, you could, actually, you could actually see, though, he really wanted to make it. So it doesn't matter how much money these guys have got or what they're playing for, you could see that meant something to mm. him to, obviously, as a team member and a contribution to that team, to keep that team at that point, one in front. But at that point, Leash, if he birdied 18, which looked like he was going to, mm. and if Cam birdied 18... Yeah, it's a shot victory. ...which he looked it? like he was going to, or sort of 50-50, it you know, wouldn't have been good mm. enough. But mm. Oh, it would have. Yeah. It would have oh, been, they would have been, been a playoff. Win, yeah. yeah, they would have been a playoff if Cam had to hold that putt. 
He had to make that short putt yeah, for, to play off, right? Yeah, that was so, the par. But, but that putt that Dustin made, that, that was the difference mm. to that, that result. And you can see how excited those guys mm, were. Mm. It's a case of just waiting for someone to come out and tell us. Yeah, I just want to. I just want the those the current all the guys in live that haven't had world ranking points for a long time. Whether they will be allowed back to play the PGA Tour mm, mm. At, at in what capacity? What about Australia, guys? What do we stand to gain from it? In Adelaide, we saw that event. I think there was a proposed two events next year. Mm. Hopefully, one in Queensland but with the with the merger. It's got to help. It's got to help world golf. You'd think so, wouldn't you? It has to. It has to help world golf. There's, there's no doubt about it. We're going to Australian Open that we're struggling to, to get sponsors for, aren't we? We're struggling every year to keep that thing alive. Yeah, and it was such a such well, a. Well, some of this fun drip back into that. Well, we're hoping we're hoping that it will grow the game around the world. I think Greg's plan. I think in the end, he, he's he's won out. He's it's been mm. amazingly silent. We haven't seen mm, Greg, mm, heard mm. from Greg. Whether that's by design is is interesting. Might be by design, I think, because he can. Sometimes say stuff he might regret. Yeah, you never you never know. Uh, Jay Monaghan's just come back from a, a, a an illness, so he's he's now back. Whether things will get rolling mm, yep. now, and hopefully by our next podcast we'll have something clear that we can talk about. But yeah, at, at the I'd moment, like to think so. Yeah, at the moment we want to know what's going on. Okay, good on you guys. Thank you, mate. Thank you for being part of the show again, Andy. Thank you for producing the show. See you, folks, next podcast. 